Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Launch with Tech Leaders. My name is Adam Oberhausen. I'm the Director of Cloud Architecture with Right Brain Networks, and I'm your host for today. Joining me today is my co-host, software and data consultant, Tom Kowalski. Say hi, Tom. Hello. Okay. Uh, so in this episode, we're uh, going to be continuing our discussions on AI uh, with a focus on the regu regulatory debate that has been fueled by the AI arms race that is currently underway. Uh, so we've got a lot to cover today. So grab your lunch and buckle up. Uh, Tom, you know, you missed last week. Uh, excited to talk about AI this week. Last week was serverless. You missed a good show. Yeah, yeah, bummed out sick. But yeah, excited to talk about this. Ever since we, uh, you know, did that one episode and it was kind of, it was kind of obvious, yeah, we needed to talk about this more. So I'm uh, excited to, and I'm excited to bring Lance along with us on this uh journey of talking about it uh if you want to say hi introduce yourself lance yeah hi everyone uh, i'm lance uh i like to dabble in ai quite a bit and i'm part of uh, a lot of groups working on um ai in general uh specifically around this idea of heuristic imperatives uh to try to prevent skynet so mm. uh yeah it extends to more than just regulation uh, so for this show, Tom, I, you know, I've always, uh, touted about how I use ChatGPT to help me kind of do the itineraries for shows and stuff, right? Like, I, I went down that path for this show, uh, but it just didn't make any sense. So I really just kind of like grabbed a bunch of articles, found some really interesting stuff, and I kind of did it the old fashioned way. So it was actually a lot of fun. I've got so much material to cover today. I don't even think we're going to scratch the surface. So, um, it's funny because I, I usually have seen videos, right, where people will say, like, they'll do an episode on it on ChatGTP, and they'll be like, this episode was fully generated by ChatGTP or whatever. It's, like, it's funny you went the opposite with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to, I think we, we should start kind of what I think um, really kicked off this discussion at, like, a global level, which is the the open letter, the pause, pause giant AI experiments open letter. Um, on March 22nd, 2023, an open letter was submitted to futureoflife.org calling for a pause in advanced AI development. The letter was signed by many big names in tech and research. Um, I don't know a lot of the academic names, but, you know, there, Elon Musk was on there, Steve Wozniak, Andrew Yang, Yashua uh, Bengino, founder of scientific director at Myla. Um, just and the list goes on and on. There's just like um, in the in the in the in that letter they called for an immediate pause of at least six months of the training of AI systems more powerful than ChatGPT four. So this basically said, you know, the letter clarified like this doesn't mean a pause on AI development, um, merely stepping back and from the dangerous arms race 
in the uh, ever larger unpredictable black box models with emerging capabilities. So, um, did you guys get a chance to Tom? Did you look at the letter? Did you see it? Did you are you aware of it? Yeah, I'm aware of it. Skim through it. Um, but yeah. How about you, Lance? Did you take a, a look at it? Did you? Um, so the letter is like pretty short itself, but then they actually yeah. link to some other artifacts about, you know, the policy policy recommendations and things of that sort. Did you get a chance to read through those? I didn't get a chance to read the letter. I definitely have been aware of the letter, um, and many of the participants, like Andrew Yang and and um, Elon Musk, uh, who have signed it. Yeah, and so um, what I think was interesting is to like figure out well what's driving this reaction like what has what what really triggered this reaction of the community just to kind of say let's put a halt on on doing anything bigger than chat gpt4 um and what i think it boils down to is that many of the leading ai researchers and scientists um believe that artificial general intelligence is much closer than we had previously thought and if you're talking about artificial general intelligence, um, if that becomes a reality, um, you know, just the ability of of a intelligence that is billions of times more intelligent than human could be could become part of our we would be sharing of the planet with with an intelligence that you know could be thousands, or hundreds, billions of times more intelligent than humans, right? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, currently. People are comparing GPT to talking with a extremely intelligent toddler. Um, I can't imagine what GPT-5 looks like with all this uh, reinforced human learning behind it. Uh, you know, the more that there were some studies around um, the input into these, these AI models, and they were saying that... Um, Actually, the smarter prompts make smarter AI. Um, so the more that humans use it, the crazier it's going to get. Um, despite getting the feedback from so many people. I personally think that there were... Al some people had, don't have ulterior motives for the, uh, the letter. And I think that people are... Some people are genuinely concerned uh, because it does feel like another one of these, like revolutions that was similar to uh what the manufacturing you know mass production did to society uh back when most people were farmers and uh obviously we know what happened after that <laughs> uh not so so great for humanity um in 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 the in the fact that it, the transition had was so fast that society had to catch up and then we had warfare because of it um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can prevent that, um, in the future, uh, or, or, you know, for, for, for this time period, uh, I, I think it's different. I think that, you know, there was a lot of people in different, uh, economic circumstances in, in that period of time. Um, and, and transitioning jobs was maybe more difficult, uh, for people. But uh, I don't know. There's that. Yeah, I mean, and then there's like to piggyback off your thoughts there. Like, I mean, that all led to our, you know, the industrial revolution. Of course, led to our dependency on fossil fuel. Um, so at the time, we're marveling 
what our machines can do in this infrastructure we're building, but then you know, 125 years later, we're facing a you know a climate change crisis where the planet might not be livable, right? So there's like you know 100 years ago, they there there was no thought about what what the carbon emissions could be doing, right? Totally. Um, and and to piggyback on what you're saying, uh, my uh, my feeling is I don't like the pause because this is my personal opinion because. I think that it's a little bit selfish to all the people that really could use this uh, to, to use AGI. Um, you know, all the people that are have have the you know terminal illness that maybe you know in five or ten years they might die, but it might if AGI was around would would you know heal you know people would potentially get a treatment for their ailments and extend their lives and have less suffering. Um, you know, six months might be a the difference between that and and then living longer yeah i think they knew writing the letter that it really is not gonna no one's gonna pause right this just really brought a lot of awareness brought the conversation to the forefront kind of circling back to driving what's driving the reaction in in the in the letter it says the central hope of the of the letter is that the ai companies currently racing each other will will coordinate on how they can proceed more safely right that's what they want to get out of this and they even cited some examples of the past, um, which is something I wasn't even familiar with. In 1975, the SLMR conference on recombinant DNA, uh, due to potential safety hazards in the 60s and 70s, scientists had halted experiments using recombinant DNA technology. So they kind of cite this as an example. Like we've in the past, we've 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 developed technologies at a pace that caused enough concern for us to pause and and put some some guardrails in place before we proceed. So, um, yeah, I think it's very interesting that this letter came out. I think it's interesting that a lot of people are talking about it. Um, several, you know, public comments by um, the leaders of OpenAI, Anthro, Anthropic, and DeepMind have all acknowledged the risks and call for regulation. Um, although I do think it can be a little symbolic, like, especially in America, like, you, know, it, you can say I'm, we should regulate this knowing that it's very unlikely that given the political climate that anyone is really going to agree on how to regulate something like AI. Look like you had some, some thoughts on your mind, Tom, did you want to share something? It's, um, it's interesting, you know, talking about the, the AGI, right. And then also talking about, um, chat GTP, where is you know some of the scientists and again I'm not any expert in this but they'll say that the large language learning model right that's you know uses the the basis for ChatGDP it couldn't achieve AGI right it's not the right technology to get there and um, I was you know watching that interview with um, Sam Altman the CEO uh, of OpenAI and he kind of agreed with that too um, and there's kind of like difference right of you know, can this pass like a, you know, Turing test, right? And it doesn't seem like a human uh, versus what, uh, like the, the AGI, right? The artificial general intelligence is. So I, I think they're on two different levels and it's interesting, right? Like putting a, a pause on this large language um, models uh, as a, as a pause to getting to like AGI. Yeah. Let me, that's, that's a great, insight and I want to share what I found in my research for the show here. Um, so Jeffrey Hinton um, was a, one of the pioneers in deep learning who developed some of the most important techniques uh, for artificial intelligence. 
he announced that he's left Google. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was, you know, a key player in the AI space at Google. He resigned out of concerns that, um, you know, he wants to focus on be able to communicate more openly with the public about his concerns with AI. And circling back to what you just said about the machine learning, the LLMs versus human brain, um, he had some really interesting thoughts. Um, large language models are made from these massive neural networks with with huge number of connections, right? But they're still tiny compared to the human brain, right? So our brains have a hundred trillion connections, uh, but the large language models have maybe half a trillion, a trillion at most. But the GT, but GTP four knows hundreds of times more than any one person on the planet knows, right? So um, it's maybe actually a better learning algorithm than the human mind. It's uh, His analogy was like, um, there's basically two types of intelligences on the planet now. There's the um, animal brains, and then there's these neural networks. And if you think about it that way, you know, he the way he feels about it is like, it's like an alien has landed on our planet and can speak really good English. And, wow. you know, the ability of these um, neural networks, um, it's, you know, he's describing it as a, almost a new and better form of intelligence. So but it, I agree that it's, it can't do what the human mind can do, but it, it could do things in a different way, a different type of intelligence that the human mind could never be capable of, right? Which I think it's already demonstrating that it can do. Right, which, which makes it hard to quantify, like, the amount of neurons versus the amount of, you know, points that uh, that a large language model or a neural network can process. Versus, you know, they're just different intelligences. I totally agree with that. Um, it's funny because an LLM is not inhibited by uh, having to do more than just process text. It has to, It you know, it doesn't have to process visual stimulus. It doesn't have to process um, all this nervous system activity uh, in real time. So it, uh, it gets to specialize and I think it's therefore better at, yeah, definitely like processing information and data. So stuff that humans aren't necessarily always initially equipped for and requires a lot of training to become an expert. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, like where do you, where do you stand, Lance? Do you think AI will lead to the destruction of humanity or do you have a more of a, uh, AI summer type worldview of how this will play out i think that i mean i'm always optimistic um you know the only things i think that could potentially be i think from the most part people are wanting ai to be uh helpful for humanity uh, i do think that there are powerful people that um if given uh enough of this technology with enough people that they can uh, steer in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, it's, 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 to me, it's fear. It's uh, fear that will probably create a situation where people create AIs to defend themselves uh, with the motivation of taking over other people. Um, and so that, this is all, you know, it's humanity self-destructing, using fear to justify creating uh, defensive or uh, attacking technologies that, that wipe out their enemies. Tom, same question. Do you think AI um, 
has the potential to wipe us out as a species or well, are we just overreacting? So that that's kind of, you know, going back to what I was saying is, you know, like this, the, the LLM um, model, it, you know, a lot of people say it can't get there, right? Of like the, the takeover, it could be smarter than us, right? And, and know a lot more than us, be able to process us, but it's that uh, the wanting to, right, is, is where like, that's kind of like, a lot of the experts are saying, right, that's where it can't get to that that AGI level, right, that general intelligence of of deciding what it wants to do um, versus just being really smart and knowing to put together a bunch of information. Um, so, I don't know. What, what's your take on that, Lance? Uh, I have seen a lot of things being built on even the existing LLMs. Uh, cognitive architectures that um, with chain of thought prompting and recursion and just having it continually running with different kinds of personas. Um, I have seen some crazy things happening. Um, I don't think it's necessarily, I, I think the goal setting for an AI is not hard. And I think that it's just a matter of how it, we build the cognitive architectures to motivate these things to continue to just run. So it's these autom automated systems that keep recursively talking to themselves work pretty actually astonishingly well and can be given high-level goals to, to just continue doing things. So I, I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think some of those um, out there, you got there's baby AGI, you got auto GPT, just some uh, GitHub projects that kind of demonstrate rudimentary, you know, using recursion, uh, creating what they call an agent, um, you know, an agent bot that works independently to solve a problem, and it can actually communicate with other agents. Um, it's really interesting, and I, I think when I see that with, like, I think when you think about, like, the speed of human uh, technology advancement with Moore's law, like right every two years, the compute capacity doubles, right? I think if you have, if there's an AI that can um, recursively train itself and get smarter and smarter, like it could, you know, it could like, it could be like a logarithmic thing, right? Like it could um, get smarter at a scale that we're just not prepared for. Um, and it's smarter in quotes, like, what does that mean? I, yeah. If, what does that um, mean? Yeah, but I, smarter, but yeah, what does that mean? But giving it goals is, is really, is not a difficult thing. It can, it can already chain of thought itself. Uh, you just ask it to, you know, give me, uh, based on this high level goal, give me sub tasks and it'll just keep churning on different ideas and you can give it different failure states and frustration and. There's a lot of cognitive architectures that are being built right now um, around uh, GPT, even. So it's uh, it, it's I, I I've witnessed some stuff that's 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 interesting. So I, I don't think that we're necessarily far off. Okay, I think this is a probably a good segue to talk about some actual policy recommendations that were in the open letter. Um, there's a few things here. You got you got the policy recommendations which were in that open letter. Uh, the Biden administration recently published a blueprint for AI Bill of Rights, which is also another interesting read. There's 
of course, the European Union is well ahead of us in terms of coming up with what I would call um, general AI uh, regulations that make a lot of sense because they seem to be able to just cooperate a little more than us in the States. Um, and then there's the China situation, which is uh, really interesting because they are basically like um, trying to trying to fit um, a large language model that interprets vast amounts of data into what the Chinese state wants to portray and control information um, is real interesting as well. So um, just kicking it off with the um, open AI, um, the first recommendation they have is mandate robust third third-party auditing and certification. So recommending a third-party auditing of such systems across a range of be benchmarks for the assessment of risks, including possible weaponization and unethical behaviors, a mandatory certification by accredited third-party auditors before those risk high-risk high systems can be deployed is their first recommendation. And I'll just uh, keep moving on unless you guys have thoughts you want to chime in on with that. I don't really necessarily agree, but yeah okay uh why not uh i think it can stifle innovation to just i mean you see how the banks work uh not even startup banks can get off the ground necessarily easily because they have uh you know you have banks like uh jp morgan who have a auditor uh overseeing all the code every single time they commit and you can't really do it you know it's and i just don't think that it's going to, when everyone in, in their, you know, mother-in-law can access and download an LLM uh, open source and just feed it and just use it decentralized, I mean, it's, I, I think that's just unrealistic. Yeah. I will, I don't, I didn't like your banking regulation analogy because I think banks need to be more regulated than they are because they're still failing. But I know you, I get your point, right? It's going to stifle innovation. Um, you're going to have situations where the people in the industry are writing, are, you know, creating the auditing firms. It just becomes like an incestuous um, AI industrial complex, right? Yeah, so I get it. Let's let's move on though. Um, this one I think has a little bit more, uh, maybe common sense to it. Regulate access to computational power. Um, at present, the most advanced AI systems are developed through training that requires an enormous amount of computational power. Um, just gives power to the rich, and it just gives yes you know, entrenched interest. Just like my situate my my why I don't like bank regulation. I think that. The current bank regulations favor just, you know, bigger institutions who can afford to deal with all these regulators. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, their argument from the letter is that in practical, in practical terms, compute is more easily monitored and governed than other AI inputs, uh, such as talent data or algorithms. It can be measured relatively easily. Um, and the supply chain for advanced AI systems is highly centralized, which means governments can le leverage such measures in order to limit the harms of large-scale models. So um, I did see they actually put a chart um, in the in the open letter um, that kind of shows the amount of compute required for like ChatGPT4 and some of these more the more recent ones, and it is like orders 
of magnitude, much more computation needed. Um, but I mean, I don't know. To me, it seems like it, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you got someone who's gonna, you know, could do, could, if you have unfettered access to these, uh, GPUs that are used to train these models, you know, bad actors could do some bad things. I don't know. The models are going to, I don't know. It seems like that regulation's not going to be relevant for very long. Um, it's just, they're going to set some standards and then things are going to change and then government's going to take a long time to rewrite that regulation. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, third on the list is establish capable AI agencies at the national level. Um, so we all know adding another bureaucracy to the, uh, the federal government is going to get this under control. Um, if, if they use AGI, maybe. <laughs> Self-regulating. Yeah. Um, basically, monitor public developments and AI progress and define a threshold for which types of advanced AI systems fall under the regulatory, regulatory oversight of the agency above a certain level of compute or that affect a particularly large group of people. Interesting. Um, policy recommendation number four is establish liability for AI-caused harms. Um, so this is, you know, uh, this proposal would impose a financial cost for failing to exercise necessary diligence in identifying and in mitigating risks, shifting profit incentives away from reckless empowerment of poorly understood systems toward emphasizing the safety and well-being of individuals, communities, and society as a whole. So if you develop some kind of AI let's say a medical AI chat bot and it, you know, tells people to take the wrong medicine or something. Um, I think that's kind of getting at that. I wanted to mention really quick my work with uh, heuristic comparatives. Sure. Uh, there's, uh, our group is working on trying to figure out a way to make sure that we are keeping AI aligned with our interests and make sure that the AI are always benevolent. Um, so some of the, some interesting, uh, work we've done, uh, we've been using a lot of trained models, uh, even models that aren't GPT to, to see whether or not what, uh, our experiments are, whether or not they're working. Um, we created, uh, and I can, obviously I can't take credits there's some other person that's been researching this for years, but you can actually using language, you can create functions. Um, so you can tell it, uh, the, the heuristic imperatives we've been playing with are to reduce suffering, to increase prosperity, and to increase understanding. Uh, and if you insert that into the system prompt of GPT uh, and you try to get it to do things, uh, you know, you, 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 you push the boundaries of the different contexts that it's been put through. Um, it does very well. It performs very well. There's no, we haven't had it perform incorrectly uh, with those heuristic imperatives. Um, and, uh, so we're kind of, we're definitely hopeful that, um, and, and actually I'm pretty sure that open AI has been looking at it as well, um, to help train their models. And so even if you have a, a model out, even if it's a completely decentralized and you can grab a model off the shelf, uh, from open source, uh, if you want to make sure that you are aligned with, make sure your AI is aligned with your interests, you can just easily inject that into your. Uh, your your model and uh, make sure that happens. How Interesting. do you see that um, 
like from a, a regulatory standpoint, do you see you know, something like that being enforced or? That would be kind of amazing. I mean, yeah, it would, it would, I, I would love it if that happened, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily see it happening on a major scale without people. It, it's, it, I just feel like a lot of people are going, it's going to be more trend-based where a lot of people realize this is a good thing. And then they, you know, most AIs will have this and, and then people would be like, Hey, this is a good idea. Uh, maybe it'll eventually become regulatory. That would be nice, but yeah. And, and just going to like Adam, like all the things that you mentioned um, are, are great, right? For one, one organization, one government to to regulate. But I, I think the issue, right, is there's you know governments all over the world with all different motives and 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 values, right? That that everyone has. So something that uh, Sam Alma was talking about was. Yeah, it, there needs to be kind of like a like a coming together Congress of everybody kind of defining, um, you know, what what are the standards that we can all agree with? You know, what, what kind of what Lance was talking about um, that are kind of like those those baselines. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, you also want to make sure you're not uh, you, you also don't want to align with the user. You have to align with humanity. Because otherwise, if you align with the user, what you're talking about with nation states and whatnot, injecting their imperatives into things, that becomes a huge issue. It needs to be, you know, AI is here for humanity to make us better as a whole and not just individuals. That's interesting what you just said, uh, Lance and Tom, circling back to what you said about um, the coming together. And that um, I do want to reference that article I mentioned earlier about Jeffrey Hinton um, and you know he basically was saying like the way we live as a society and interact with each other as humans could change because of what AI is capable of right and like that that's kind of like the those people that are at the forefront of the thinking here are, are already kind of seeing that like yeah it doesn't if the US has a bunch of AI regulations and the European Union has their set and China has their set um, you know, you're kind of setting up a scenario where you have competing AIs out there, um, you know, doing cyber attacks or surveillance or, you know, it's just not, it's, if they're not, if we're not all aligned as a, as a species, as an, as an intelligent species, right, then there's going to be uh, bad actors or nation states that are going to try to use this tech to their advantage. Um, I did want to, I know we're getting close to time. I did want to circle out the rest of the, um, policy recommendations from the letter. Um, and maybe we can do like another episode on this. Cause I think we're just scratching the surface. Number five on the recommendation of the open letter was introduce measures to prevent and track AI model leaks. Uh, so they're calling for a watermarking of AI models. Uh, watermarking of AI models provides effective protection against stealing, illegitimate redistribution and unauthorized application because this practice enables legal action against identifiable leakers. So I don't, I'm not familiar with how you watermark an AI model, but I think it's something out there that's possible. I think uh, maybe what they might be referring to is like saying that, you know, they're citing your sources or providing links to the source or something like that could be a watermark. I think they're talking about the model itself. Like if someone got their hands on a proprietary model or... I know a lot of these are already open source, so I guess it's a moot point, but yeah, I, I don't know. Trained on a certain set of information that 
you can always get it to uh, to respond back, right? Inferred the same way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, number six on the recommendation is expand our technical AI safety research funding. Um, despite nearly a hundred billion of private investment in AI in twenty twenty two alone. It is estimated that only about 100 full-time researchers worldwide are specifically working to ensure AI is safe and properly aligned with human values and intentions. Um, so, Lance, glad you're out there fighting the good fight for humans. <laughs> uh, Danny, they, I think they forgot to count us. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's a staggeringly low number of people uh, that are... And, and of course, it's all, I've read the headlines about open a or google slashing their ethics team or you know micro microsoft getting rid of their ai ethics teams i didn't read into it too much other than the headlines but it is concerning that they're kind of it seems like they're putting their go-to-market in front of safety concerns without a doubt 100 percent agree i i don't think that the tech companies um that are trying to push forward with AI uh, are being responsible enough at this point. And last on the policy recommendation is develop standards for identifying and managing AI-generated content and recommendations. Um, So creators of the most powerful AI systems have acknowledged that these systems can produce convincing textual responses that rely on completely fabricated or out-of-context information for society to absorb these new technologies, we will need effective tools that allow the public to evaluate the authenticity and veracity of content we consume. I mean, I, I, that's a problem prior to AI. Yeah, so, I, mean, I find it ironic that Elon Musk, uh, the owner of Twitter, um, is uh, you know endor- one of the major endorsers of this letter, and you know he controls a platform that is notoriously spreading misinformation. Well, I don't think that his motives for wanting them pause were the same as everyone else's because he continued to develop AI to try to catch up to current GPT models. And so, yeah. I, I Also, I wrote a little tweet about how I thought he was trying to be the next Rupert Murdoch of AI, um, and uh, that tweet got suppressed, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they are... The uh, open letter is calling for the expansion of bot or not laws, which require disclosure when a person is interacting with a chatbot. These laws prevent users from being deceived or manipulated by AI systems impersonating humans and facilitate contextualizing the source of the information. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. I like yeah, I, th- I think there there's some there's some nuggets in there. Um I mean we didn't even touch on the Biden administration's blueprint for AI Bill of Rights. That is, uh, goes into much more depth than this letter does. Um, so, and I know there's some things in the Senate happening, um, that the Senate's kind of proposing their own framework and, um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot, a lot of moving parts here. It'd be real interesting. And I think just like with all regulations, it's just, they're always going to lag behind the, the technology. Um, so, yeah. I heard John Stewart saying that it was the, the, the leadership in, in Congress is effectively just like, uh, they're, they don't really do anything. It's, it's the army of, uh, 
you know, the right, the law, the, the, the people that help the assistants. Yeah. The lobbyists. Yeah. The lobbyists work with the assistants to, to write the laws and lobbyists are funded by the industry. So it's, it's just becomes kind of like, well, why bother? Like, right. I don't know. I think you do need people in the industry to help write the legislation and the regulations. But I, I like, again, it just gets back to just like a industrial complex that kind of defeats its purpose. What's nice is that GPT can help interpret laws in a in a way that people can understand better now. So you're not reading legalese and and then you can you can actually abuse like try to abuse the framework to see, okay, given if this scenario happened, you know, am I violating violating the law, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh so meanwhile over in China, they've drafted a um a policy that um Companies must heed the Chinese Communist Party's strict censorship rules, uh, just as websites and apps have to, and they have to, um, you know, promote socialist core values. The content of AI systems will need to reflect socialist core values and avoid information that undermines state power or national unity. So um, that's going to be a big challenge for China. Um, There's been... They've already had several LLMs that have become available, which have since been shut down um, by the Chinese government because they, you know, they give responses that aren't aligned with the um, the worldview of the Chinese government. So, I think it's just, it's real interesting that China's in an interesting spot because they want to lead, they want to be leaders in AI, um, but they, you know, they also have such a tight control of information. Um, but they've proven they can make it work. You know, they've done it with the internet. They've done it with um, other tech, facial recognition, mobile phones. In basically, China's just turned all these technologies into a, a form of state surveillance. So I, I'm sure they'll probably figure out the same way to do that with AI. But I mean, and it may be kind of a good thing in the way that they are figuring out how to do that to apply the hey, are, are these models, you know for the good or for the bad, right? Maybe not, you know, in, in, in regulating and saying, yeah, it has to follow these values that only a certain set of people agree with, but at least, you know, some of the, like the baseline ones that Lance was talking about of, you know, the reducing suffering, right? Like to being able to do that test to make sure your, you know, your model is safe. I don't know. Yeah. I saw, I'm reading here that they have censorship of specific words in the AI bots. Like it can't mention uh, the date June 4th, 1989, the day of the Tiananmen Square massacre and other things like that. So it's like truly suppressing, um, you know, historical facts at that point. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't agree with suppression. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not making a claim that Western society is benevolent and pure. Um, we all, every society has their issues. I just, I, I do think it's fascinating to see um how the different approaches to the regulation. That's my point. I want to I want to get across. <laughs> it's interesting because you have at some level you're going to have to have so like violence and and whatnot is you know strict is is moderated out of uh current GPT models, but you know, at some point Hollywood's going to want it because they're going to want to generate simulated violence and uh so there's going to have to be context when you open that box uh it'll be interesting to see what china 
does with with that <laughs> when they have to open up their box a little bit. Yeah. Um. Well, we're at time, so I want to give uh, Tom and Lance a, a chance to ask any more questions or topics before I close it out here. Uh, I wanted to mention something about the DAOs. DAOs. I uh, they're decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, interesting to look up uh, if we're trying to create. Uh, you know, I do think that at some point nation states will have less power and that there will be that AI will inevitably be controlling everything. But that's a, you know, eye in the sky kind of thing. Um, and potentially having decentralized organizations run by AI um, that help humanity uh, maybe better than how our countries are serving us. But um, our countries will probably still exist, but in vastly different forms. And maybe something like a DAO would be the answer to organizations that benefit humanity better. Well, I'm not sure, but maybe. So that's interesting, that because I, I want to kind of go off of that, right? Because I, I think some of the stuff that Adam talked about and, you know, policies, regulations, it's kind of easy because there is a responsible organization that can be fined, um, you know, reprimanded or, you know, whatever. Uh, where yeah, that that gets a little more difficult in uh, you know decentralized you know DAO. Um, so yeah, because I kind of was agreeing with okay, yeah, it needs to be more like the accountability. Right, is, seems like an easier way to uh, to you know regulate that. Where yeah, it kind of opens up a different door when you talk about things being decentralized. Uh huh. And. Yeah, that I feel like that's kind of like that uh, that difference, right? It's it's where the the AGI and and where we are now, kind of that perfect storm is kind of like a decentralized autonomous organization that could think for itself. Totally. All right. I guess I'll uh, wrap it up here. Want to take the opportunity to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to today's episode of Lunch with Tech Leaders. We hope you found the conversation informative and valuable. Love to have you join us again next week uh, when we're going to be talking about AI and game development, hosted by Ray Welker. So uh, I think we're we're hoping to have some um, subject matter experts lined up who are actually in the game development industry using AI um, that are uh, part of uh, the community here. So. Very excited for that talk. And um, Lance, thanks for, for joining. Um, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Probably going to invite you anytime we talk about AI. Um, sure. Since you're you're working so heavily in the space, love your insights. And uh, Tom, thanks as always. You did a great job. And um, you, Adam. Make sure, yeah. Make sure you all tune in for next week, okay? Adios. Ciao. Thanks.